We're back with, after a couple of weeks off with the ninth episode of the Hubscale podcast. Most of our guests have been sales leaders, but this week we have the field CISO of Fortinet, John Jacobs. Uh, really excited to have you on, John. Yeah, hey, thank you. Thanks for having me, Elliot. Appreciate it. No problem at all. No problem at all. So today we're going to talk to a lot about the differences between sales and SE. So I'm really excited to get into this with you, but it'd be awesome if you could give everybody and all the listeners a quick introduction to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Thanks again for having me. And uh, so my career in tech started pretty early. I, I originally started out with computer-aided design, CAD designing, uh, self-taught computer networking in the late 90s when I really saw this as part of where the industry was going and where things kind of cool things were happening. Uh, got in the engineering space when broadband really started to kick off. And I date myself a little bit here, but uh, digital subscriber lines, for those that remember them, that was sort of the trend. And so uh, went into an organization that did that, worked for Level 3 Communications, which was acquired, but was a really huge ISP at the time. And uh, then went over to the vendor space. I've been in the vendor world for about 18 years, and it's been a tremendous experience. Uh, most of that was spent in SE leadership, and I think that's going to be a great part of our talk today. It's uh, honestly been a huge highlight of of my career. Uh, and right now in the field CISO role. So I've been in this role for a couple of years, and uh, it's 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 been a very interesting experience. So, yeah, no, for sure. No, it sounds a, an amazing career. Obviously, I mean, you've spent nearly ten years now at uh, at Fortinet, climbing through the ranks, and it's been an amazing journey as well to to look through. But uh, so, I guess, um, just explaining regarding the field CISO role for people that don't know, and including myself, um, obviously, I do a lot more on the, the go to market and the the sales side. So, it'd be great to understand uh, just what is the role and and what effect you have in the organization. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's funny because it, it definitely is the first question that comes up. Like, what is the title, the field CISO? I mean, really, the CISO title probably came to be only, geez, five to seven years ago. Uh, and really, CIOs recognized that there was just too much. CTOs recognized there was too much complexity and security for them to take on. And so they created this role. A lot of times it was the director of security or the vice president of security that was really promoted and given that title. From a vendor perspective, that we've created this role called a field CISO. And this is ultimately where the CISO's job is to understand business and the technology and security, how it, how it combines with their business. Mine is to, and the field CISO, is to understand that across multiple businesses. So to aggregate that information across multiple businesses and say, what are the ultimate trends? Where are the real challenges? Where are the key solutions that people are looking there's always a real challenge for people that say, well, you're going to be biased. You know, you work for a vendor. And, and ultimately, I really try to avoid that. Um, it certainly creeps in. We can't. But uh, but I really try to avoid that and look at it abstract and say, where are the real challenges? What's happening in the industry today? Where are we going? Yeah. And then apply the right types of solutions. Some of those are ours. Some of those are partners. Some of those are just, you know, outside. So uh, it's been a great role. Really been exciting for the last couple of years here. Yeah, for sure. So, um, so do you work with the customers and and really drive um kind of Fortinet's value proposition or what's kind of the day to day parts of the job? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of it is evangelizing. You know, not just Fortinet. Um, we've become mostly a, a I won't say a household name, but we're now at least an industry brand. Yeah. Um, thanks to a lot of work on our marketing department. Um, primarily it is to look at it from a, a little bit more of a macro level and say. You know, number one, what is the topic of the day? Uh, for most people today, that's ransomware. So if you're concerned with ransomware, what is your risk profile? 
What is your risk tolerance? And what should you do? What are the key things that you should do as an organization? And I think that's ultimately key where if you could take tool one and vendor tool two and tool three, mine's not to say, look, you should use vendor, you know, Fortinet for this and vendor and vendor. It's really to say you should invest in email security. You should invest in user education and training. Some of those things we can provide, but really, again, to sort of take it up one level and have a relationship that's beyond a sales cycle. I joke with that being in sales for so long that, you know, we we wish they wouldn't, but but sales folks are going to get engaged when there's an opportunity. Um, hopefully, they have a long-term engagement, the good sales folks do with their customers. Um, but oftentimes, you see these ebbs and flows where it's the end of a quarter, it's the end of a fiscal year. Um, my goal and our role is really to be there throughout. So yeah. when there's not an opportunity and there is no sales on the table, but we can still help and we can still coach in that regard. Yeah, it sounds like a very strategic role, and of course, you see uh, field CISO across uh, a lot of a lot of vendors these days now. So no, it's uh, it sounds like a pretty cool role. So I guess just touching on that, your topic there as well, a big uh, conversation I wanted to to talk to you about today, John, is the the sales and the SE relationship. Now, as you know, being being on both sides of the fence, you was two years um, in, in a sales position at Juniper. Um, I just want to hear from your your side. What is that relationship like, and how can you how can you make it kind of optimized? Yeah, it is, and and you know it was actually one of you know when people say what are the the most interesting chapters of a career, I think that was one of the most interesting. Um, it was challenges of a level that I had not seen before, and you oftentimes don't even perceive. Uh, I came from the engineering background, so it was always, well, there was an us and them, right? You know, that's, uh, but in reality, it's a team. You know, the ultimate account teams, the ultimate sales SE and, and sales or account manager, you know, it's Batman and Robin. It's, a, you know, it's, it's Cagney and Lacey. It's, it's these, these really, I date myself, but um, it's these great, you know, there, there is a duo there that there are challenges in each role and there are strengths for each individual. And the ultimate teams really complement those strengths. They are, I like the term when people say they're better together, that individually they have strengths, that an SE could could design an architecture, could figure out what the customer, what the problem is and come up with a solution, a technical solution. And the account manager's job is to say, well, regardless of the solution that you we think you need or we've designed, does it fit in your business? And does it align with your business priorities? And I think that's the benefit where the SE can be abstracted from that and really work on the technical details and the and the overlying solution, underlying solution. The account manager has that benefit to say, yeah, I'm not really going to worry about what version this is and how these things plug together, but I am going to look back at the usually C level. That was probably one of the most interesting changes was the ability to garner an audience with a customer at a level that I had never known before. Um, it's, a, it's a great thing now in my current role, but it also, as an account manager, you oftentimes talk to the CEO and the CFO, and, and you understand that, look, there's a budget. There's a budget to do these things. How do you fit into it? We're not just, we don't just have one project. There isn't just one initiative. How do we balance this out? And how do you make this make sense to my business. And then really the SE partnered with that says, how do you make this make sense to the running of my business or the problem that we had? Uh, 
really just, a, I, I think it's the most fascinating thing. And, and like I said, of the 10 or 12 years that I spent in SE leadership um, was just a fantastic part of the, the career. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think um, I think it's really interesting. A point you mentioned there where you said you're better together. Um, in recruitment, you see sometimes, it's, I think this is amazing, when a sales guy goes to one business, the sales engineer follows him or the or vice sure. versa. I think that's uh, I think that's an awesome testament to two people working amazing together as well. So I think uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty awesome when it works out. But what I want to what I want what I want to ask you, John, is when does when doesn't it work out? Um, what what problems can they face uh, between the relationship? Yeah, and I think I always sort of envisioned it and communicated it. They are while they're not they're overlapping. They're swim lanes. And it's when the folks don't know their lane and they, they vary. I've had account teams and work with account teams where there's, you know, an SE who's essentially the salesperson and, and an account manager who's really technical. So there's no right or wrong formula where it breaks is when there isn't an understanding and a mutual respect. And I think that's true in almost every relationship, which is it's built on respect and trust. And if that goes away, and it can, look, there's money involved. If you think of all the things that can, you know, pollute a relationship, right? There's there's money, there's your career, there's trust, there's other people, there's perception, there's, you know, how, how do you, how are you perceived by your company, by by everyone around you? So if you lose that, and, you know, there's a little, there's always a little bit of joking, there's lightheartedness of, you know, the account manager, oh, he or she is just here to pick up the check or, you know, pay for expenses, and, you know, that kind of ribbing or, you know, the, you know, the SE is the, the nerd. Uh, there's, that's fine. That kind of stuff actually represents usually a great chemistry and relationship. It's when you get one level deeper where they're really, when, when those people don't have, and they are throwing punches because they don't have that respect and trust for where the other is. When you realize they do have it, it's magic. You you see account teams work together and they just know what the other one is going to do and they know it'll be done. It, they trust that the, the process will be run, you know, that the things will be completed and, and they get to really just have fun with the job, benefit each other and, and really just turns out to be, a you know, the dynamic duo. Yeah, for sure. So I guess... Um... I guess for anybody listening to this who's maybe stepping into a new role as an account executive or an SE, what kind of advice would you give to them to to work with their other partner or counterpart? You know, I yeah, and that's a it's a great question. First, I think both are tremendous careers. I really think they are. There's some of the few, and they've um, if you if you read John Kerr's books about technical selling, I think he does a great job uh, where he says, you know, these these are really good careers. They're not just a job. And, and there really is the ability to take things across multiple organizations and grow with it. I think that the biggest challenges are trust the others, have faith in what you do, but communicate. You can't over communicate. And I think the flaw a lot of people think is, well, communication means that we have that weekly sync up and we talk about all the, you know, the deals that are on the table and what we're doing to move the ball. That's not communication. Communication really means that you set aside time, really don't even talk about work, and you just talk about how you approach work. You need to know that they're a person, 
And you need to know that they have a, a work-life balance. A lot of times the SE and AM, that role working for a vendor, you blend a lot of that time, right? The, the good news is the hours are flexible. The bad news is the hours are flexible. You know, it's, it means late nights. It means weekends of working, you know, but it also means that, you know, you can take a Tuesday afternoon to a, you know, a kid's soccer match. It doesn't matter, right? That's the, there's beauty in that, but to understand the person and have that real communication to say when someone, there's got to be a leader in communication. And I know a lot of people in modern day sort of think, no, no, there shouldn't be a leader, right? We should be complete equals. No. There will be someone who is the de facto communicator, whether, you know, outwardly, inwardly, usually that's the account manager, but not always. And there's no right or wrong, but to know when that's said, you don't want conflicting stories. You don't want, um, you know, you don't want somebody saying something and then someone just stepping up and saying the other. So they're, they're very much in sync and they, they understand, you know, what each is going through. Yeah. No, for sure. And I think it's a powerful message as well about uh, about understanding that they're both people. And it's the same with any relationship, working relationship or anything. It's about actually caring for people and, and putting time into individuals and, and, and wanting one person to succeed because the other person will succeed as well. So, no, I, I really I really like that, John. So yeah. I guess I guess switching it back into more kind of your career Um obviously you've spent a lot of time in leadership positions. Obviously you've spent a lot of time in the SE and, and the solution architects roles. Um, how do you build a successful um, SE team? Yeah. And it's, I think it gets more and more challenging. Uh, it certainly is a challenge at, uh, at an organization like Fortinet that has, you know, this huge portfolio of products. That's, that's tough. I think it's easier if you have, you know, a narrower focus, um, but I think number one is just, again, I go back to communication. I'm actually surprised when I see teams that just don't communicate. You've got to spend time together. Uh, I guess maybe start over and start at the beginning when you're looking at, at hiring. And you know, you've got to hire people who bring strengths to the table that aren't there. Uh, that's, I think, now a known rule is you know, don't just hire people that are like yourself. So yeah. I think looking for people like that um, knowing that you've got to have a diverse skill set, diverse point of view, um, getting them to interact with each other. And it doesn't have to be the silly, you know, uh, you know, laser tag game where people bond after, you know, a, a sales meeting, but really just putting people together. Uh, some of the folks that have worked for me will joke and, and they get the joke of, you know, I've rented Airbnb houses and then just put people together, sometimes without even a strict agenda, but saying, we're just going to be. We're just going to spend time and we're not going to sit and walk through, you know, reports or things, but just be your natural self. And then you realize that when people bond together as just people, they then create a bond and they know that there's another person. If you're just, you know, on a conference call and it's a name on a screen or an email, you know, who cares? It's easy to say no to an email or, you know, some sort of address. It's difficult when you want to help each other when you know that person, right? That that other, you know, he or she is, it needs help. They need help in that relationship or a certain time. They're also very lumpy businesses. So helping balance that out. You'll never get the kind of resources. You'll never have enough SEs to do all the jobs at hand. Uh, it's a lot of resource sharing. And they have to be, you know, as a company, you can put in incentives and, and attaboys and, and pat on the back. But they have to want to help one another and not because someone told them, but 
because they really want it. And I think that's, you got to build that and then nurture it. And I think that's, it's, it's a challenge. And I think, um, and then I would say lastly to that is people grow, make sure people have the chance to grow, make sure they've got a career path and places to go advancements that they can do. And if there's someone that's toxic in the organization, remove that quickly. Uh, I think Simon Sinek talks a lot about that, which is more important about the, the somebody who's toxic to your team than you know nine other people that are good for it. That one can really matter. So that's another part of it. And, and you know that's rare, but it's important to to address so that you know you don't get a different feeling across the whole group. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And I think it's again, it's a powerful message about the kind of well empowering. Uh, empowering your employees along the way as well, which is which is really cool. Um, so I guess uh, I think you mentioned something there about attracting the right talent. Um, so I guess in terms of when you're when you're headhunting, of course I I get involved in a lot lots of these stuff being on the recruitment side, but I'd right. love to get your perspective. Um, when you're looking for people for organizations, what type of things do you do you look for? You know, I, I I'm sort of known for saying this. My slogan is constantly curious. That is the one thing that you can't teach. Someone has to want to know. And if you ask people, you know, what's your story? What's your life story? Uh, if you if you ask them that and they realize that, yeah, they were the kid that, you know, when they got a toy, they took it apart just because they wanted to take it apart. They wanted to know how it worked. That level of curiosity will diminish at some point throughout our lives. But you really want the people where it hasn't. And, you know, at some point you'll go, I don't care. I don't care how that thing works. I just want it to work. And that's okay. There's no disrespect to that. But there is a certain personality trait that is so valuable in a systems engineer or sales engineer. And that is, how does it work? You know, that's one of the great questions I ask is the simple thing of, you know, obviously if you solve complex issues or do you have examples, but it's the browser question right? Open a browser, you know, open your computer and just don't be afraid to go too deep, but tell me how it works. And it's amazing that people that have worked in technology for 10 years will go, well, I don't know, you know, something happens, a web page shows up and I go, wow, there's, there's like a hundred things that happen in between a thousand. Walk me through. And that to me is almost, it's almost even a fun, you know, have a pint of beer conversation where you go, look, this is, these are the layers. This is, it's built. And it's, that's the part of you know, the engineering life that's fascinating, like it works. And, you know, someone built it, there were standards, uh, you know, they were communicated, someone implemented it, there were flaws. Uh, that is, I think, knowing that is, you can tell good SEs when they understand and they get enthused by that. Uh, and then the bonus is if they understand business, and they really say, why does it matter? Uh, one other question I ask people a lot is, you know, to choose between two things, you know, whether that's a routing protocol or a security protocol implementation. And I have a walkthrough. Tell me, you know, if I had to choose between A and B, you know, walk me through. And the SEs that go, oh, well, A has these attributes, B has these attributes, blah, blah, blah. Okay. The ones that are good have one simple word to reply. Why? Why do you want to make that change? Why is it important to you? Now you can have a conversation. And often, honestly, you know, you'll find out maybe it doesn't matter. Oh, I was just academic. I was just curious. That's okay. 
but the other person's wasted 20 minutes of time going down a rabbit hole. And that, again, that curiosity, but then appropriately applied, right? Of course, you want to be curious, but why? Why is this important? And I think that's another part of that interview part that, to me, you know, I don't want to share all my secrets. <laughs> <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I love it. I love it. The um, the two questions that are quite important, obviously, it's about um, it's about being curious enough and constantly curious, really. And I've seen the, I've got a book from Simon Sinek behind me about uh, that, that type of stuff. And then, um, yeah, of course, obviously the, the business acumen side of it is, is the sales engineers and solution architects are still heavily involved on that side as well. They're still customer facing a lot of them. And it's about, yeah, it's about all of it kind of mixed together. So no, I, I really love that. But so I guess, so I had another gentleman on the podcast a few weeks ago um, and we was talking about kind of more, more junior individuals and hiring and, and kind of diminishing the gap that we have uh, within security. Um, so what's your take on kind of looking at more junior profiles or people with no experience in security and how do you, how do you train them up and, and make them become the curious, the business SE? Yeah. Yeah. And there is, there is a huge gap, right? We don't, we don't have a, a jobs gap. We have a skills gap. And yeah. I think that's throughout the world now. And really, People are always looking for a reason, and I'd start with theirs, you know, start why. And it's this industry has grown faster than anyone would have imagined. We couldn't have trained enough people, and there weren't enough just structured training programs to create the kind of people we need. So I think the one thing is, and I, I've hired junior people, I've hired interns in my in my career, um, and I, I've, I've worked with them for years. And the real key thing there, and I would encourage people if they're out and if they're looking, is communicate what it is that you are doing, what it is that you are working on. Because if you look at a resume and it really just says, you know, this is a person, they have worked at, you know, one job entry level or unrelated, or they've gone to say a cert program or a training program, which is good. I actually, I'm a fan of those, uh, you know, boot camp types or things of that nature, because they force you to study. It's the same thing a, a traditional university does. It just forces you to delay gratification for a long-term goal. And it forces you to take your time and your focus and be in training, study. But I think the key difference in now looking at junior people is what have you done? Tell me about it. You know, tell me that you've built a, a three Raspberry Pi home network where the thing listens to your garage door and, and creates, you know, grabs an eye, a sensor that when the, the light meter goes on, that it automatically checks if the garage door is, you know, I've heard some really cool stories. <laughs> and what does that tell you? Curious, capable. And that's, it's not a certification. It doesn't tell you that you can configure a, you know, a checkpoint firewall. Uh, you know, or afford a net next year. No, it, it just says you're willing and you're wanting. And that is so key. And it's the traditional resume doesn't have place for that, uh, but it should. And experience should be life experience. Yeah. Look no, for that. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. I think um, especially on the technical side as well with, with the skill gap. And I think having that kind of the, you're right, the curious mindset about creating uh, technologies or even just giving things a go and, and being really curious. I, I love it. I really do. And it's uh, honestly, the, I think some of the listeners uh, may take a, may get to take a lot away from that as well. But so no, that's, um, that's fantastic. So I guess, um, I guess just kind of taking it back a tiny little bit, because I really wanted to get a little bit more about the, the sales and the SE 
partnership. And so I guess them two working together, um, everything's going well. Um, how do you incentivize the the team properly? I know obviously because from conversations I've had in the past many times is the SE believes that they can do the uh, sales uh, job and they try the sales job and then they think, ah, maybe not. <laughs> so how does- That's come up a few times, yeah. <laughs> they're really, and they, you know, there is, they're, they're well incentivized roles. That's the other part that I think is, is important. And it's not all about money, uh, but it is the idea that you really get to solve problems for multiple organizations. Uh, it's always sort of the way I've lured people. And I said, you know, you don't see too many people that that move to the vendor space and then move back. And it's not because it's better. It's not because the other is worse. It's because if you are in an organization for say, well, say you're in, you know, in an organization that's just an IT shop for that we make, you know, we sell tires. Um, if I've been there now for 10 years in my career, I would have learned most likely how to navigate and manipulate that environment, that company. Because there really isn't much outside of that. Maybe there's some vendors and whatnot. But in reality, you're going to learn how to navigate the problems of the tire company. The difference being in the vendor space, and when you are an account manager and an SE, it's why I think they're such great roles, is you get to look at that. First, you don't get mired in the politics of the business. So it's the tire shop and the donut shop. And you know maybe one has weird politics and strange things and you know leadership that's overbearing or... You know, they don't empower their employees, whatever it is, you don't have to deal with any of it. That's beautiful. You get to move and say, this is a distinct problem. We get to solve it. And here's a distinct problem. We get to solve it. So I think the reward, and you really want to find this, is people who are rewarded by solving those problems, doing exactly what it is that they're supposed to do, that they want to do. I used to say this, and, and a lot of SEs laughed at me, which is don't focus on the money. A lot of times, you know, reps and, and, and SEs get, get bound up in here's my quota, and here's my number, and here's my comp, and where's the split, and how much will I make as an effective pay? I said, if you do what you do and do it well and, and smart, the money will just happen. It's almost this thing that happens in the background and you're not logging in and, and you know and, and you obviously have to live at your means or below your means but you know you're not logging in every day to check the balance and you know they they tend to be well compensated roles so let that happen while you focus on solving real problems and that reward back to an account team they congratulate each other they acknowledge each other um, and it's more than just you know team meeting rah rah you know they had the magic touch it's outside of that and knowing those real skills that they bring, uh, it's you can just feel it between effective teams. They know why they're good, and they just appreciate each other. There's there's names that pop in my head right now as I say that, which is funny. Of the years that I've worked, um, there's names that just pop in, and the almost faces of a pictogram that just I go, oh yeah, yeah, they they work together so well. Yeah, it's it's rewarding. No, for sure, and I think that's you've you've hit on a real. A real key point there about kind of focusing on the problems, focusing on the customer, helping the customer get through their problems and solutions. A lot of the times in security, the, the customer's gone through something tragic, a breach or anything along those lines. So they need help when a lot of these uh, situations are going on. So, yeah, no, I really like that. It's about uh, don't focus all on 
compensation or anything like that because that'll just run in the background with with the success that you have with your customers and your team so no i think it's a real a real key point to take away from that nice yeah it it really is there's that ability that that takeaway hopefully can lead lead people down give them in the right path for sure for sure and i um i always ask this end ending question john um, I think it's always a pretty interesting question. So sometimes people find it quite hard to answer. But what advice would you give to yourself at the beginning of your career? That is a good question. And uh, you know, the the number one thing that I think would be network. Network more than you even think possible. Sometimes that's harder for SEs for technical minded people. Maybe they aren't as extroverted. Um, I told an individual once that worked for me, I said, never miss the chance to make an introduction. You know, you don't have to be rude about it or interrupt a conversation, but um, I've never been offered a job in my career by someone I didn't know. And and that's because I've networked and and kept connections with people. And and I think that is ultimately important. You know, there's there's sort of that rule of, you know, treat everyone well, and I think that's important. Um, you know, at any level, at any scale in an organization or your life. So I think, you know, you don't burn bridges that way and you always keep those doors open, but it's amazing. I mean, you know, even, even the role at Fortinet, I knew the person who was here for years and we just stayed in touch and, and it just happened to, you know, we were talking one day and it just sort of said, you know, this is really interesting. And so it wasn't, you know, a debt or anything like that. It was just, just networking, staying connected, um, understanding, you know, people where they are in their lives. And, you know, you're not going to check in with people every day, maybe not every week, but maybe it's once a month or, um, and when you do have those connections, foster them. And, and it really does matter. So that'd be the one thing. And I don't, I don't think I've done as good a job as I could have in my career. Uh, but I really, if I had to go back and whisper in my young ear, that'd be it. So great, great question. <laughs> no I, I love the answer as well I think um, especially in the day and age like today we've got all these platforms and it's easy as just sending a text to somebody to check how they are and it's uh, I think it's a bit more of a personal level as well you need to get to know people and, and really care about actual people really and, yeah. and just think about the end result on, on everything so no I yeah. really appreciate it John and again thank you so much for coming on the podcast I really do appreciate it I think it's been That's some uh, interesting conversations uh gone through but no again thank you so much for coming on and hopefully maybe one day in the future we can we can do it again <laughs> you bet thanks for having me I appreciate it Elliot. thank you very much John